This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, Charles. Hello. Okay, so, uh, Rick and Morty, the animation style, uh, has kind of, uh, gone on to give us other things like Solar Opposites, and it's got a few other projects coming down the line that are using that style. Bob's Burgers, we got, like, other shows like Central Park and The Great North that look exactly like that style. Obviously, Family Guy, when, when that came out later on, we got American Dad, as well as The Cleveland Show, and so this is a common, uh, theme with these animation shows that are successful, but I want to know if you were you know, opted to, to choose an animated show and that style to propagate out to further stuff. Is there an animation style from back in the day that you would love to like see perpetuated a bit further in different ways? Mm, goodness. Um, something that always kind of is lurking at the back of my head is C.H. Greenblatt's Chowder, um, an animation, se- an animated series from a couple of years ago about this, <laughs> uh, this chubby little anthropomorphic boy who's a, a, a chef apprentice who lives in a world full of food people and other creatures but the whole show has this really gorgeous animation style where the patterns on all the characters clothings are these like static images that are just like gorgeous fabrics that move as the characters are moving through space and it is just visually stunning in what is otherwise a really light-hearted chill cartoon that's fun i i i I forgot this show existed until you said it. i didn't i didn't watch it but i remember like yeah that was like cartoon network show or something like that yep chowder is fantastic man all right so we just need we need the chowder extended universe now (laughs) let's do it sure that'll happen immediately with that in mind let's talk about the show Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliam-Moore, writer and culture critic at io9. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions. Today, we're talking about Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty's fifth season has just started airing on Adult Swim, and while the first two episodes have definitely brought back a lot of the series' signature nihilistic sense of humor, it's also really been leaning more heavily into the thoughtful introspection about life and free will and all lots of other sort of lighthearted stuff. Um, We're talking about how this new season feels like it's trying to shift the series into a slightly different gear, but first we're rolling into Cannon Potter, a quick breakdown of an interesting news story that's caught our attention this week. The people have spoken, Charles, and they like they to go have. fast, and they like to go furious, <laughs> and they like to go it a lot, enough where uh, they will uh, break box office records from the past, like, year and a half. Yeah, surprising absolutely no one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Fast 9 dropped, and the people were like, yes, please, take me to the theater. I want to see Vin Diesel and his found family uh, drive a bunch of cars very close to space i haven't seen f9 yet i know i have not seen it yet either i know that there are rockets and i know that there are magnets and i know that at this point they have really uh jumped the shark to the point where it's like all right y'all are gonna like leave the atmosphere at some point soon and i mean the hype around this movie alone just sort of says that you know the the inevitable future of this franchise that we felt for the longest time is you know not stopping anytime soon yeah uh I I could t- I want to tell you a little personal anecdote. Uh, before being thrown into lockdown, uh, uh, right as it was happening, um, I got invited to go see uh, uh, Dutch, uh, not Dutch, a uh, Bloodshot, um, Vin mm. Diesel's uh, com- uh, 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 comic book movie from Valiant Comics, yeah. and 
I was in the theater with my friend to wait to wait and see it, uh, the the pre the, the screener kind of thing, and uh, they had projection problems that went on so long that I finally decided I'm good and I want to go home. And so I just finally went over to my friend's house, my friend Andy, and we watched Bloodshot the other day. And I was remind that was my reminder. Was like, oh yeah, this is Vin Diesel. This is what Vin Diesel does. So I feel like I got a little prepped for like F9 by by immediately seeing like a Vin Diesel movie that I hadn't uh, seen uh, yet. And so mm. now I'm ready to go see F9 and join in the fervor of I don't even know like canonically what's happening at this point. I know that we meet uh Vin's brother. What is Vin Diesel's character's name in Fast and Furious? I, I truly Dom Toretto. Dom Toretto, yeah. yeah. Um we meet his his brother um who is Cena, John Cena, Cena somehow. There we go. Okay, sure, sure. I believe that. <laughs> and uh, and all I've been seeing because I've been seeing all my friends tweeting about it, and because like every, everybody I know went and saw it, because apparently everyone did, because it made like seventy million dollars this weekend. Um, is everyone saying it's the funniest film of twenty twenty so far, twenty twenty one so far? <laughs> I mean, I totally, I believe that. Um, I believe that people are saying that. Um, and I believe that the hype for this movie is real, both because people you know, the people love this franchise, but also because, you know, we are not coming out of, but we have hit a different phase of life within the pandemic. Right. Um, you know, vaccinations are rolling out um, across uh, the U.S. and much of the Western world um, and theaters are open back up. And, yep. you know, what we saw a lot of throughout um, the beginning of the pandemic, particularly when um, studios had not fully committed to the home release, um, you know, new way of doing things there was a lot of this all right get ready to go back to the theaters and it was all very like i mean okay it's nice that you think that we're going back to the theaters anytime soon but people are dying left and right um and it felt a lot like a, a manufactured like get ready get yeah. ready get ready and this does sort of feel um more like an organic people sort of just gravitating back towards the theaters not just because um they have a longing to be back in them physically but because they are legitimately excited for something um, and I think that that's, you know, the best, the best possible scenario for the studio. It's like, you know, not only are people flocking to the theaters because they're, you know, starved for the content, but they're like, I'm, I missed, I missed Han, who's been missing from the franchise for <laughs> however many years. And it's like, yeah, I want to see Letty scowl at some people for them, you know, before she drives over them or whatever. Um, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm curious to see what comes from not just the Fast Furious, the Fast and Furious franchise itself, but like what sort of platform what platform this becomes for its stars going forward like you mm. bringing up vin diesel i feel like between fast nine's release and everyone's sort of having spent a lot of time over the last few months really thinking about actors i feel like vin diesel is kind of primed for a renaissance because as much as people know him as like an action star and the voice of groot and like you know that man with the deep voice. Um, a lot more people are talking about Vin Diesel's early work when he was really leaning into being a serious actor. You oh, know, yeah. Like, you know, quote unquote serious. Um, a lot of people forget that like Vin Diesel, like most actors in Hollywood, got his start out making, you know, indie films that had a more serious bent to them. And that is the kind of energy that I don't think has necessarily left Vin Diesel. Um, there are reports going around that he would totally be open to considering the possibility of a Fast and Furious <laughs> musical. And while I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen, I do think that like the idea of Vin Diesel being in a musical vehicle in the future is something that people are much more willing to entertain now because it's like, listen, 
let the man do stuff that isn't just cars and being a tree, you know? <laughs> I love that that's how you can summarize this man's current career. <laughs> there is more to Vin Diesel than uh, Motors and Groot. Yeah, I, I, I believe there could be, uh, but uh, time will tell. Uh, and speaking of time and messing with it, let's go and talk about Rick and Morty. Ooh, all right. Okay, so we want to do an episode on Rick and Morty, and doing an episode on Rick and Morty is interesting and difficult for many reasons, because... Mm. On one hand, I think Rick and Morty in a bubble is objectively a very well-made cartoon. Totally. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's, you know, the animation uh, was simplistic at the start, but has upgraded along the way more and more with more complexity and, and bombastic visuals. Um, and the writing is, is some of the best in TV, I think, ever. Um, and it has, the show has attracted uh, some of the, the best talent there is. Uh, to you know, join hands and and add to the uh, the fart jokes. Um, but on the other hand, the show is uh, difficult to talk about because of the subject matter it tackles constantly. It's a dark show uh, mm. again, underneath fart jokes. Uh, and also, it's a show that has uh, garnered a tumultuous relationship with a certain uh, small group of its fandom that has shown its ugly uh, head a few times um, <laughs> when given the opportunity to. Um, so uh, we're going to try and tackle all those things and also just kind of have a conversation about where it is now with season five. Yeah. What was your, like, start off big. Like, what was your first, how did you first encounter Rick and Morty? When, were you like, a, were you tuning into it when it first started airing or? Yeah, it was one of those things that, uh, I think it came out and I wasn't immediately attracted to it. Um, uh, but I think enough buzz happened within my circle of friends. Uh, uh, I think I was here in Austin at the time at that point and people were just talking about how this show was really funny and you should check it out. And, uh, cause I think like, I think the visuals of it just never, uh, you know, stuck out to me. And I think I was one of those people as a lot, a lot, I don't think I'm alone in this who were like, Looks like a Back to the Future ripoff. I'm good mm, um, mm. because I mean it was literally, uh, you know, the, the 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 pilot it's based off of is a little bit of a parody of Back to the Future. Oh, totally. And so I was just like, nah, I'm good until enough buzz, you know, told me otherwise. And then I was immediately like, oh, this is actually really funny and smart. I like this. What about you? I I Rick and Morty is one of those things that I. It kind of snuck up on me, but that's, I feel like that's not quite the right way to describe it. It was full on going on when I was still in college and somehow I was just unaware of it or I don't recall it at all. And I didn't really come into Rick and Morty until well until it was running as reruns on Adult Swim um, when there would just be blocks of it, you know, for mm, yeah. multiple hours. Um, and it, it kind of filled that space in my pop cultural diet that a lot of like late night cartoons does. So, you know, it was in there with, you know, your family guys, your American dads, the things that are just like on adult swim that right. I would just like have on as background noise. Um, and just sort of very casually just through the process of channel flipping at night, I would catch, you know, five seconds here, 15 seconds there of the same episode, because that is what happens when you have shows where there are limited amounts of seasons and they just start putting them on. Um, and 
to what you said, like the whole, I'm not really a back to the future person. Like I saw it when I was a kid, thought to myself, cool, that was a movie and <laughs> kind of moved on from it. Um, and the whole premise of a young boy and his grandfather or grandfather-like figure um, traversing the multiverse just never really grabbed me, especially because with Rick and Morty, it's very easy to just casually stumble upon, you know, moments where the show gets kind of fucked up, um, mm. where someone is having their head blown off or their guts are spilling out. And it's just like, I don't know what's going on here, but it's too much. Um, but eventually I did sort of um, make a point of sitting down and consuming an episode from beginning to end. And I got, as I got a better sense of what the show was trying to do, um, you know, I, I, I warmed up to it. Um, a lot of that nihilistic, gross out, uh, fuck the world shit is, you know, it is, it is a crucial element of the, the show's identity, or at least like the parts of itself that are very surface layer. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, over the course of the seasons, you do see that there is this deeper plot. There is more significance to um, Rick's general <laughs> distaste for humanity and other sentient life, that there is more to Beth's interiority than her willingness to just stay in a loveless marriage with Jerry. There's more to Jerry, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And Summer is interesting. And it's it's the kind of thing that... Um, I mean, it follows what, you know, uh, we talk about this a lot, what a lot of, um, animated shows do where they start off kind of like light and light for Rick and Morty is just sort of like whatever, like, let's just bop around the multiverse and fuck shit up for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but as it's, you know, continued into its existence, it has sort of started to touch repeatedly on, um, the sort of realities about people that would drive them to act the way that its characters do and it's become i think it's in in doing that it's become a more palatable show and become more compelling um, right but as i say that i the thing about I, I do consider myself a rick and morty fan like i think i've seen most of the episodes i'm very surprised whenever there's something like doesn't whenever something you know doesn't feel familiar when i'm watching it um, and I like it, but there is still a part of me that as I watch it, I think to myself, particularly when it's, you know, when I'm watching reruns, it's just like, oh, here we go again. Um, yeah. The, the show, like it, 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 it constantly tackles like, you know, the general existential issue of like, do things just, does life matter? And, and it, 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 it <laughs> yeah. even goes at it from a nihilistic approach of like, no, things don't matter. I mean, that's, that's Rick's in, uh, that's, that's a lot of Rick's characters that he is the smartest man in the entire galaxy. And None, no, no ounce of that, uh, you know, knowledge and wisdom brings him joy mm -hmm. and nothing really matters. But, and, and, and we can all connect with that to a degree because there, you know, whether or not you are a positive or a pessimistic person or anything like that, um, you, you know, we all kind of have those existential feelings and we connect with that. But then we also, as humans, we do need things to matter. And so mm -hmm. to keep us interested you know, there ha th things do have to matter beyond just each random episode introducing like, you know, oh, Mr. Meeseeks or, you know, oh, an interdimensional cable. It's like it, 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 the show, it had to have that connective tissue and it found that connective tissue by like near the end of the first season when it like did the first like, you know, dimensional jump where it completely destroyed that, that, uh, that universe, that universe with the Cronenberg, mm. uh, virus and they went to a new one and um that was like you know morty's first uh development of character where he was really like you know f really really looking down the barrel of what death means mm. um and what existence means um and the, it, without those elements which it has peppered in i think more and more as the show has progressed i think the show would just become forgettable 
and, and silly and maybe fun, but quite forgettable. Whereas I think the Rick and Morty we have right now kind of resonates a bit more. Mm, there is this just sort of like existential pessimism to a lot of the show that gets illustrated through its spoofs, um, you know, through the way that it sort of pokes fun at other TV shows, movies, and books that exist in like the the sci-fi genre space mm-hmm. that both feel sort of like exercises in showing you like um, just like the struggles that Rick and Morty are going through, but also like because it's so much about like what's the point of doing all this? There's part of me that always thinks to myself, like how much of this is just like poking fun of a thing, poking fun at a thing versus like <laughs> being sort of like pissy critical about it. Hmm. Um, and cause I, I think like, I, I don't mean to say that in a bad way. Cause I think that it's a very fine line. That the show often toes. It never exactly comes off as like, it's truly trying to dunk on anything else and be like, ah, well, we're going to do this better than, you know, the thing that we're making fun of. But because the tone of the show is often so dismissive and pessimistic about, you know, effort as a whole, regardless of what the effort goes into, it's sort of like, oof, these jokes, they feel, they feel mean sometimes. And I yeah. and mean, I don't, and again, when I say mean, I don't say that, as like a uh, being like, oh, this this is what is this is something that is not good about the show. I just think that it is a fact of the show, like a fact of like the kind of like the kind of tone that the the show has. And sometimes you like you just have to be in the right mood for it, right? Because there are sometimes where Rick and Morty's sense of humor really like hits me the right way, and it's like, oof, that's a funny ass joke. But it's not, <laughs> but it's not constant. If that makes sense, it really has to like it really has to like line up right. It's funny is that the movie, I mean, the, the show uh, is, is a constant uh, balancing game. And I think the creators know it, even Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland, with their, like, I'm sure uh, at this point, uh, army of writers that are helping them do it, um, is that, you know, they, they try to keep it, like, a bit heady and a bit, you know, uh, uh, philosophical and, and, and that kind of thing. But then they also, like, they understand that they still are... I I I I get the feeling they understand that there's still a bunch of idiots who are making an animated show, which is why <laughs> you get things like you know Mr. Poopy Pants and stuff like that, um, that are just. Uh, I'm sorry, isn't it Mr. Poopy Butthole? Poop, Mr. Poopy Butthole. Sorry. Yeah, let's let's um, be spe- let's be precise. I want to be specific. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it's been a while since I I have seen Mr. Poopy Butthole, and so I gotcha, I, I, gotcha. I I've mistaken his name. But even like Pickle Rick and that kind of thing, it's just like <laughs> you know, like that's how he gets out of therapy is by becoming a pickle. But then they make a whole episode out of it, and it's just silly and everything like that. But it's funny that the show tries to balance that, but I feel like the fandom forgets so some part of the fandom forgets a little bit of the silliness and the you know the almost you called it like a, when we were talking about this like this broy frat humor element of mm. the show. It forgets like it's it's like it's dumb and tries to in some ways you know only place the show on this pedestal of this heady uh smart uh too smart for you show that has this uh canonical timeline and and, and these these dark theories embedded in it um when in the end I, I don't think the creators really care that much to like uh you know come across that way only yeah, I think that with Rick and Morty's fandom, you kind of have like a bit of the Walter White problem, right? Where the main character is this inherently and deeply flawed person whose flaws are meant to be reflective of like some truly deeper, messed up um, things about him that he should be working on and is yeah. 
Um, but because unlike like a Walter White figure who is sort of elevated but still grounded within a reality that is sort of like accessible to most people's minds, like, yeah, he's like a kingpin, but he also was just a chemistry teacher working out, you know, in yeah. the Southwest, you know, like that's close enough to reality. Whereas like someone like Rick is, you know, you know, he talks about himself as a God. There is a self like there's a self aggrandizement and a narcissism to Rick's character that I think is crucial to the complex, like the complexity of his identity. But when it comes to a story that's about, or rather that can lend itself to, um, a reflection about those kinds of, you know, things about oneself. I don't know that that, that that's always helpful, um, at least in like a fandom setting when, you know, when it comes to sort of, I don't know, fandom is, fandom is personally, I think that there are times where like the energy that can develop within a fandom is not always the healthiest kind of thing to hold on uh, to when agreed. it comes, when it comes to, um, you know, defining your relationship to um, a thing, be it a movie or a show or what have you. And there are a lot of times where I think I felt personally that some of the ideas that I have thought about after watching Rick and Morty are things that I'm very glad to think over and sort of ruminate on, but they're not necessarily things that I feel encouraged to talk about casually with like people at conventions that I just happened to have met and we both happened to like a show. And I think that that's, I think, I think this is partially a me thing. Um, I, I, sometimes Rick and Morty gets into an emotional space that I think is, it prompts the kind of like conversations you should have with like really close friends or a therapist rather than sort of like the jocular casual conversation that exists like <laughs> online about, you know, about a messed up, you know, about a messed up cartoon where a dude's like fucking a planet. You know, yeah. and I and I think that Rick and Morty doesn't make any effort to present itself as like a neat and tidy tee hee hee. Here are some ideas for you to take away and go home and think about yourself a little bit. It is just sort of like, hey, here's a mess. Here's a yeah. whole mess for you to just put your face in and wallow around it and do with that what you will. <laughs> and I think that what has you said, you make it sound like we were just motorboating Rick and Morty a little bit. I didn't. So here's the thing. That's really just not what I said. Like I said what <laughs> I said. I said what I said, and you said what you said. Specificity okay. of language, very okay. important. Agreed. This episode of The Real Canon is brought to you by Babbel. This summer, as you get psyched up to travel abroad again, learn the language of your destination on babbel.com. Whether you just want to order food in a restaurant or want to dive deeper into understanding local culture, Babbel makes the language learning process easy and addictively fun. Uh, I took three years of French in high school. I remember none of it, and I'm looking forward to fixing that with Babbel and its French lessons. Uh, other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel's lessons were created by over 100 language experts. So you'll sound like a human and not like a robot. And to help that even more, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code CANON. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com, code C-A-N-O-N, for an extra three months free. Thank you, Babbel, for sponsoring this episode.
I think that what's come out of the fandom is just sort of like, um, you know, uh, it's not, it's not even always bad. I just, I, I, when I think of like Rick and Morty fans, I do think of just sort of like hyper aggressive, like Uber fans were like, when is the show coming back? We need to hear about it. And it's like, yeah, chill out. It's coming back. You know, the people are talking to you about the fact that they're working. Um, and I don't know whether or not that's a reflection of the fact that people are really getting something meaningful out of it or whether or not it's because the show does speak to, I think that segment that's like, the entitlement that you feel is justified yeah. and you should express it all the time because like that's a healthy mode of engaging with other people because it's not well yeah i mean like with, with with fandom and stuff i get the side where you're where you're antsy and you want to see more of something you like because i'm there with you when totally. when something i like you know the season ends or, or a movie's over and i'm like oh i can't wait for more. i get that anticipation but i i I don't understand how you get to the point where you're then demanding from creators and you're, you know, like you're even like, uh, doing, uh, sketchy things like, uh, doxing the writers of a show you like, or, or mm. getting the police called on you while you're at a McDonald's asking for a sauce. Like, right, right. There's, there's that degree that I'm that, that recently, uh, I, I saw a, a Twitter account for a show do something that I think more Twitter accounts need to do and just treat their, <laughs> their fandom like this, where the boys season three, uh, the, the boys Twitter account, people keep asking when season three and they're just flat out like every time you ask, we push it back a day. And it's just like, they're, they're, they're like telling people it's like, fuck off. We're right. making this show. You will get it when it's done. We talk about this a lot on the show, how there is always that relationship between like creators and fans and consumers about like um, how, how, like, what is the happy medium between, you know, the, the people making the thing being like, we made something that we're proud of and the people consuming the thing being like, we love this thing. Um, I think that some of, you know, some of Rick and Morty, you know, some of the ideas that it leads with, it really is just like scream for what you want, you know, fuck shit up, like disrespect your surroundings, um, nothing matters. And it's like... <laughs> that energy does not lend itself always to the most like constructive engagement. Um, and something about Rick and Morty that I feel kind of like plays into that to a certain extent, you were talking about um, the incident involving the Szechuan sauce, which was just like a joke from the show that then became like a brand promotion opportunity. Um, Rick and Morty does like a lot of brand promotion opportunities, right? Like there are a lot of ad tie-ins where it's just, you know, Justin Roiland doing the voices and it's like, hey, you want to buy some Pringles? Chomp, chomp, chomp. Nothing matters. Um, stare into the void. You know, some bullshit like that. Mm -hmm. And it's it's both sort of like tee hee hee. That's the humor from the show. But here it is existing outside of the show. But I do think that it kind of is like poking the bear in the cage where it's just sort of it, it does appeal to that like that that consumerist demand that can sometimes pop up within fandoms that isn't always healthy. Um, but again, I don't know that that's necessarily, um, I don't necessarily think that that's the show's creators being fully, um, unaware of what they're doing. I think that if anything, it's an invitation to like ask or rather to like that asking people to like, think about it. It's like, Hey, like, do you see all of what's happening here? What do you take away from the situation beyond like ask for more? It's so interesting that you know the that certain people who watch the show have taken that from it and 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 rightfully so taken that from it but then have completely ignored the lessons especially in the later seasons where they're they've got these moments where they're really trying to scream about how your actions have consequences mm, and yeah. how the experience of life is where 
that that matter comes from um you know there's there's you know it's even like in the in the recent episodes where uh morty visits the narnia world and his small actions have dire consequences to this other dimension um and he has to learn like that that you know means something him going in there and doing that or even like in the previous episode we had the time saving device where he could save a point like a save point in a game and the lesson he got out of it was that like it's it's the consequences are what makes things matter and it's even the experience of itself and those things being permanent is what makes things matter um and so those are like littered throughout the show um uh you know even with uh even you talk about the the uh rick uh and like um well actually uh, rick and unity is another good example of like <laughs> rick's uh, uh involvement with unity had dire consequences of like their her entire planet like basically breaking down because of like his influence um but you know uh, i guess it's harder to it's harder to take uh responsibility for your actions it's a lot easier to scream at uh mcdonald's workers i guess i mean it's just like when you make a show that's about a megalomaniacal super genius who deals with his intimacy issues by killing himself drinking himself into comas and having sex with you know all kinds of species of life there's just so much going on there that like it's not surprising that some of what comes out of it is just going to be you know messy like messy and sloppy and kind of ugly and that is you know at the point of the show um, but I think that discourse wise, it's just kind of between like the kind of fan base that Rick and Morty has and just like the general tone that it has, you're not always going to necessarily get, you know, like chill conversation out of the fandom. And that's, I don't know. I feel like uh, it's not so much that I have a complaint about it. It's just that you, sometimes you have to recognize when like spaces just aren't going to give you what you need. Sure. Um, yeah, but I think that with Rick and Morty, it is like really important to, really like takes like take time to think about it for yourself i i i, I whenever i like watch an episode of rick and morty i always just want to like spend a half like a half hour afterwards just sitting by myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's impressive how immediately the show like even, even within the first season it was introducing uh you know these things that have still resonated for like i i forgot that interdimensional cable that was like in the first like that was like the, the eighth episode of the show and so, like, this introduction of the multiverse and, and you know, creating that format for the, the show is going to use throughout, you know, the rest of the, of its, of its history of, like, this anthology-style episode where they can just kind of explore different versions and verses of things for the fun of it. Um, you know, they even did that in the most recent episode with the decoy families. Um, and, they, you know, they, they set that up season one. They didn't waste any time. They, they knew they wanted to play around with that. And so... Um, it's impressive. Um, do you want to talk about the the most recent season a little bit? We let's let's because it's it's uh, we were we were talking before the show. Uh, the premiere totally loved it. Right, had a great time. And <laughs> this decoy episode really just it, it. You're right. It is definitely like a callback to things that were laid out earlier in the season or earlier yeah. in the series. But it definitely it's not so much that it was a, a, a punch to the gut, but it was like oh god, back to this. All right. Okay. All right. Who's real? Who's who's real now? So um, what 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 is it that you liked about it was it was episode one was uh, Mort Dinner Rick Andre with they introduced uh, like Mr Nimbus and the Hoovies and that kind of thing. 
Um, so I do like it when um, Rick and Morty's parodies feel um, more dynamic than the things that they're making fun of. And mm-hmm. Mr. Nimbus is not an Aquaman knockoff. He is a Namor knockoff. Oh, yeah. He's a total Namor. Total Namor knockoff. Um, right down to the fact that he is uh, sexually aggressive and very greasy. Um, but he, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the premiere did a very good job at showing you... Um, how capable the show is at pulling off its really ambitious um, feats of storytelling with having, you know, multiple concurrent plots running. Uh, the, like, you know, the, the A plot line with Mr. Nimbus is so seemingly insignificant. You know, it's just this asshole is coming to dinner and we have to make sure that he has the wine that he keeps throwing uh, <laughs> against the wall. Yeah. Um, but in its simplicity, that plot line was really all about um, another facet of Rick's loneliness and the way that he has alienated himself from all the people who are closest to him in one way or another. In this case, that person being um, one of the few people that he considers, you know, worthy of his rivalry. You know, mm-hmm. Nimbus is as silly and janky and gross as Nimbus is. Um, he's Rick's nemesis, and. While, you know, the silliness that it, that he's presented with at first is supposed to throw you off, but the way that Rick is trying to avoid Nimbus, it's not that he's just, he's not just annoyed by Nimbus's presence, but he's annoyed by the reminder that like, yeah, this is a relationship from um, an earlier part of your life that was really important to you that um, while inactive, the other part of it is still trying to be like, hey, remember this shit we used to have? Like, what happened to you? Like, it's not that the passion died down, like you gave up on this. And that's so... That is a kind of emotional truth and like weightiness that I think has always been present in the show. But whereas earlier seasons of the show would get around to something like that after uh, making multiple motorboat jokes, uh, the premiere got there first and then led with all the sex stuff with uh, <laughs> with Nimbus trying to sleep with Jerry and Beth. And then, you know, and also, you know, the B-plot with uh, Morty wandering off into that planet and, you know, setting off a whole series of events. It's like, oh, yeah, like, this is the kind of shit that the show can do so well um, with, you know, without batting an eye. And it, it that, like, that all really left me, like, excited to see what was going to come from the rest of this season. And um, this most recent episode was just, like, yeah, nothing, it's not nothing matters, but it's like all of these people who, even though you don't necessarily have an emotional attachment to them, um, uh, you can feel how they are growing emotionally. Um, they all died or at least, you know, it seemed as if the family that we had gotten to know from the first episode was dead, you know? Yeah. It's it's hard. (laughs) It's hard in this show's history to always tell if we are still following the same at the very least, Rick and Morty, because we're not following the same family from the beginning of the show. Yeah. Because they turned to Cronenberg's, and then that family then was left on the, the squirrel dimension. So we've got, we've jumped around families a few times, but because of that, it's, you're always kind of, as, as a viewer, I, I'm always hoping for more, like, concrete canon um, of, like, actually, you know, what's, what's the backstory of Rick? What's the origin story of Rick? What's the future of Rick and his family? Like, mm-hmm. you know, where... Will I I love that whether or not we're following the same summer, like I love that summer progressed from just being this girl who just wanted to date a boy named Ethan <laughs> into like turning into the the psychic that uh Rick, you know, always actually needed from the right. start. Whereas, you know, Morty ended up being a decoy thing for Rick's genius. That was the whole plot line of his genius brainwaves and Morty's brainwaves canceling out each other. Um but 
that I love that summer developed, you know, and I even like a little bit of how like Jerry and, and Beth's relationship has continued to like go in and out from the divorce to now like them, like trying to work on themselves and, and being sex positive and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, when they, when they, when the writers and the creators, like they like uh, give a little piecemeal of those actual like backstory and character developments. That's when it's like, Ooh, this is fun. Cause I don't have a lot of this, you know, I want to, you know, bird people was, was a fun addition. It's like, Oh, it's like this actual person from Rick's past and everything like that. And his continuation is still enjoyable. I loved his season four finale inclusion, everything like that. But then, yeah, then you get to episode two of the season and you're just like, okay, are we still following the same? Are, are like, is the family at the very end of episode two still the family that we're following? I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 as you were laying all of that out, I realized that, I, as much as, as much of the show as I have seen, there is a way that I kind (laughs) of, I kind of have to disassociate myself from the actual like meta story in order to enjoy the show. Because I think that making any effort to keep track of like where the family has twisted and turned and jumped from one universe to another, I'm, yes, I'm sure it can all be laid out and like kept in one's mind. I have no interest in doing that. Um, Yeah. Weirdly enough, as lore de- as lore dense as this show is, um, the twists and turns as it relates to the existences of the core family feel almost kind of like um, I don't want to say an, an unnecessary distraction because like those plot points do drive the story forward. Um, but with this most recent episode, I guess like what I'm kind of butting up against is how in those moments where I do feel like Rick and Morty shifts into that earnest space and tries to get really serious um about the existential shit that it's um you know kicking around that it's always sort of dancing around but sort of poking fun at because it doesn't want to get to the heart of the matter um when those haha psych they're all dead moments come up it's kind of like i wasn't actually trying to talk to you about this and it's like all right well fine and while i as a (laughs) while i as a viewer can easily just like look past that in the second episode right like regardless of the fact that the family that we see at um the end of this episode it's still rick morty um beth jerry and space beth you know it's still just them in their space car coming back um i in my mind still am thinking about all the progress that the other family went through and i guess that i I guess my, my desire is to see what of any of that development ultimately does matter, right? Like, is this all meant to matter in the end? I don't know that, you know, you, when it comes to shows like this, when there is this kind of thinking, you, I think that there's a possibility for the show to sort of like have its cake and eat it too. When it's like, ah, nothing matters. But also if nothing matters, why does the show still exist? Like, it's kind of like, well, how, how, how seriously do the creators of the show take the ideas that they're presenting to their audience? I don't know. I, I, as I, as I talk about this, I feel like I'm just spiraling deeper and deeper into a hole. Well, (laughs) (laughs) how about, how about we, uh, we, we put a a nice button at the end of this and have just a brief headcanon discussion about the show. Sure. I think, I think all the, you know, without like having to go super, you know, far into the show, I, you know, I think you can even, uh, you, we can at least have a simple discussion of like, you know, are there answers or character development that would mean something to you at this point or that you, you would like 
connect you even you know more to the show that would go that would like help counterbalance i agreed episode two like nothingness kind of episodes um you know is is there is there development and or origins that would be of interest to you with the rick and morty verse yeah so i will say that the moments of rick and morty that always leave me the most excited and looking forward to more is when like supporting characters side characters get that kind of growth that makes it feel as if they've leveled up out of the show and they just like wander off um i'm trying to think of who's the girl that morty is obsessed with um that girl that he's been trying uh, yeah, you know, she she's a time god now. Like, she's a time off. god now. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, all right, I want to, I want to, like, can we hang out with the time god for a little while? Because there's a way that I, I kind of feel as if, like, the the nothing really matters shtick does feel elemental to um, the family unit, right? Like Rick, Morty, and the people directly related to them. That is always going to kind of be an energy that exists with, like, around them. But the kind of like levels up that people around them do, um, that feels more substantive and like something worth following up on and just like not necessarily like full series, you know, full series like spinoff, but like I want to see what the time god is up to. I do want to see what more the Vindicators are up to. Um, their Avengers Justice League knockoff. Um, their com- like the, the comic series based on their adventures, interesting. I want to see a little bit more of that because again, it, it does feel a bit more like a return to a more linear kind of like, all right, the story is going somewhere and you can look forward to some progression. That would be fun. Yeah, I, I agree. And one, I got her name wrong. Her name is Jessica. That's uh, another just uh, very generic uh, white girl <laughs> name. Um, <laughs> Apologies to all the non-white Jessicas. I know quite yeah, I guess. I, yeah, you're right. But I just, I, I, I guess I come from a perspective of just a, a, a white guy named John. Like, that's just his... <laughs> As, as basic as I can get. Um, not even spelled the right right way. Like it's J-O-N. My parents can't even give me that. Um, just so that I forever in my life would always have to spell my own name, even though I'm named John. Uh, anyways, we don't have time to get into that issues that I just unbuckled there. Um, I, I, I think there's something that would be Im- uh, impressive and daunting for them to actually do, which is finally introduce Diane uh, Rick's wife mm. and 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 beth's mom because they 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 teased it during that during the szechuan sauce episode but then it turned out to be a fake memory um and wasn't actually real so everything that happened there wasn't like actually anything canonical and so they still have the opportunity to introduce a real diane and and kind of develop that character it'd be very i think that would be a lot um because that's like that's that's a that's a big character with big consequences of like adding them to the cast and then maybe eventually taking them away from the cast again um but if the writers are you know as good as they've shown they are i think it would be just kind of fun to see what their take is um and and add that it would probably be something like a season finale kind of thing they would do because they seem to save like big uh character development moments to be at the end of the season so that you come back and watch the next season um but I think that would be interesting. Show me Diane, you know. Did uh, did How I Met Your Mother ever introduce your mother? Was that like a thing that ever happened on that show? Yeah, they. Fi- I stopped watching that show, but they did. Oh my god, you watched How I Met Your Mother? Oh, I totally did. Maybe, maybe a few seasons. <laughs> oh yeah, that was like back when when I was a when I was a married man. Um, that was one of those 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 uh, shows that we watched together. Um. 
I, I, you, I, I, I somewhat regret it. <laughs> you have, you've lived a, a whole, a whole life that, that's uh, nope. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. Um, if and when Rick and Morty ever does, uh, how I met your mother, I feel, um, I don't know. I feel like if the show ever did that, it would just be, uh, it would just collapse in on itself like a neutron star. But <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. Save that, save that for the final like uh, episode and just uh, or final season and make that the end. Yeah, I mean, they they probably know that. Like Dan Harmon and Justin must know they have that in their pocket of like hold on to that little nugget, um, so that they have the answer of like how to finish finish the show. But yeah, that'd be fun. All right, <laughs> we can we can stop. Let's take it away. <laughs> Let's go. That brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you like what you heard, and we know you did, please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss a single show. We've got new episodes coming out every Tuesday. And if this episode was your first time checking us out, thank you. Appreciate it. Keep checking us out. If you want to go follow us on Twitter, at Real Canon Pod, you can see some fun extra stuff. It's also a way for you to tell other people about the show so that we can get more and more people to listen to this fantastic series that me and Charles are making. (laughs) So get ready, get hyped, and we'll be back next week with more of The Real Cannon.